is this up here? It's a picture. Is it faces or a candlestick? Both? Depends on how you're looking at it, doesn't it? What about this next picture up here? Or video? Is it moving? Is it spinning? Is it spinning fast or slow? Huh. To me, it's spinning pretty slow. Others say it's standing still. Apparently, if you're under a lot of stress and you haven't slept well lately, it's spinning really, really, really fast. So, um, but it's a picture. It's not moving. It's not a video. It's a picture. Isn't it interesting how our eyes can play tricks on us like that? Isn't it interesting on what we see depending on our perspective? We all have a different perspective. It's colored by where we grew up, what experiences we had as we were growing up, genetic disposition, whole nature versus nurture discussion. It's colored by a multitude of things, but we all have a different perspective. Now, there's a difference between a perspective and an opinion, right? You can have an opinion on a matter, and if it's, if it's a factual thing that you could know the answer to, then you may or may not be right or wrong. Your opinion can be either. But a perspective is unique to you. You can't have a right or wrong opinion. I mean, perspective, right? It's how you see something. And we all see situations differently. And that can be a good thing. Ever heard the phrase, birds of a feather flock together? It's what pulls us together. We all have a perspective on the cross, on Jesus Christ. And that's why we're able to gather here in this place for worship this morning. It's because of our similar perspective. But sometimes perspectives build walls. Especially when we start talking politics, right? And it builds walls and it divides and that's where perspectives are damaging. They're painful. They're toxic. And we have to be careful to realize that our perspective is unique to us. This is an interesting time of the year. If you were on Facebook over the last couple weeks and for the next couple days, I'm sure you'll see a lot of, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, a, a, something different every day that we're thankful for. But in just a couple days, that's going to change because our perspective changes, doesn't it? And shortly, there'll be blood, sweat, and tears poured as we prepare a Thanksgiving dinner, as we clean and make sure our house is in tip-top shape to have company over, and we stress about this and that. Doors will be slammed, tensions will be high, things will be said, feelings will be hurt. It's a wonderful time of year, right? <laughs> and then it gets better. Then we get to Black Friday, where elbows will be thrown, punches Blood will be spilt as we go over that last crock pot or that last 80-inch TV or the last Tickle Me Elmo, right? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Oh, it's a wonderful time of the year. But what could happen if our perspective stayed the same as it does right now? And we still focus on what we had 
on what we were thankful for, instead of focusing on other things. How much could this season change? It's interesting how much of an impact gratitude can have on our lives. Researchers have actually done studies on this. It's a physical, it's not, we're not just talking spiritual or emotional here. Like, there's a physical difference with people who are grateful. And the more grateful attitude that you had, the more that you are thankful, the more gratitude, it actually improves your health. You get better sleep. Researchers say your marriage is happier. Your self-esteem improves. It makes you kinder. Increases productivity. You have more energy. And the list just goes on for those who are grateful more than not. Those who have a spirit of gratitude. Google it if you don't trust me. It is crazy how it physically impacts us. And yet... We're perfectly okay stressing out about having the perfect meal and the perfect home, getting the perfect gift, dropping the perfect hint about the perfect gift. It consumes us. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you ever wonder what God's will is for your life? I mean, come on, we've all asked that at some point, right? Taking a new job, new big life phase, life step. It's right here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. It's not always easy to do, is it? Those circumstances can be pretty, uh, pretty bad. It doesn't take long being an adult to realize this world isn't just sunshine and bunnies, right? Life happens. Life stinks sometimes. But what's your perspective when life hits you and hits you hard? Do you see the negative that's happening right here and now? Do you see how this is impacting you and your, your joy or your spirit or your maybe a loved one? you focus on the negative right here and now or... How easy or difficult is it to have a different perspective? Maybe it's a chance to spend more time with family. Maybe it's a chance to slow down. I mean, it it just depends on what circumstance that came to mind as I was talking. Some of you are in the midst of one right now, and some of you it just came to mind like this was the season of life last year, two years ago, whenever it was. But what was your perspective Did you get focused on the here and now and the bad? Or were you able to look for the good and be thankful in the midst of it? Luke tells of a time that Jesus was heading to Jerusalem and he's passing between Samaria and Galilee as he was approached by a group of ten lepers. Now let me explain this real quick because leprosy is not really something we know a lot about, we talk a lot about today. But it was a very terrible disease. It was so bad that there were these, these Oh, bubbles that would come up on your skin. They would turn to white, and then your limbs would just start falling off. It was terrible. In fact, it was so terrible that the law was, this is the written law of the land, 
that if a leper came close to you, you had to scream, unclean, unclean, and announce, I think I said that wrong, if you were a leper and someone came near you that didn't have leprosy, you had to scream, unclean, unclean. You had to announce to the world that you had leprosy when people came near you. You weren't allowed to live at your home. You weren't allowed to be near people who didn't have leprosy. They lived outside the city walls in a colony with other people who had leprosy. They were isolated, they were kicked out of society, and they were, they were just totally shunned and forgotten about. Not the nicest disease ever. But in this story in Luke, he tells of a time when these ten lepers, they had heard about Jesus. So instead of yelling unclean, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And they went. As they went, they were cleansed. How amazing is that? Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Luke is careful to insert this little fact just about this man, telling us that he was a Samaritan. Why? Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. He wasn't part of the family of God. He didn't believe in God. He believed in this man, Jesus, who he had heard these rumors about. And he thought, maybe, just maybe, there is a chance that this man could heal me. I've heard about how he can heal the blind, how he's raised the dead to life, and maybe, just maybe, he can heal me too. And we're often quick to, to criticize the other nine who didn't come back and thank Jesus and, and give gratitude for what had just happened. But how long had they been outside the city walls, away from their loved ones, away from their family, away from their home? I don't blame them at all for wanting to get back to those that they so deeply love. Because you see, gratitude, as important as it is, is not easy. It's not a natural reaction. If it was a natural reaction, most of those ten would have gone back to thank Jesus. But they didn't. Only one did. And Jesus answered this man who came back, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. He returned with gratitude. And he encountered Jesus again. And I can only imagine how this changed his life. He was full of gratitude. I think sometimes we could do a lot better at gratitude. But like I said, it's not easy. It's not a natural thing for us to thank people a lot of times. It's not a natural thing to remember how people have been gracious to us. How they have supported us, how they have helped us out in times of need. And so we just shy away from it. But we need to be more gra grateful for people in our lives, for God, the way that he has provided and taken care of us. It's not easy. But what's your perspective? Should they have done that in the first place? 
Is that what they just should have done as a Christian, as a good person? They just should have helped you out? So you, you just don't think about it? Or do you try to change your perspective and be thankful? Do you seek people out? Do you try to pay attention to the way that people have helped you, even if it's a kind word, and you thank them for it? We're going to sing a couple more songs because this praise team is just awesome, and we love worshiping God here at MCC. But during the next few songs, up here in the front, there's little cards, and there's an envelope, and there's also some more in the back as well. I encourage you to come up here and grab one, grab a small stack of them, put them in your purse or your pocket to save for later, or start writing one now. So I'm sure as I've talked about this, there's been that circumstance that's come to mind. Maybe you wish you had a different perspective. But in that circumstance, I bet there's been a person that came to mind. I never thanked them for what they did. I never expressed my thankfulness to them for that small word of appreciation they said, that small word of encouragement, that, that small act of kindness that they didn't have to do. So while the band's singing, as you're singing as well, come grab a stack of cards. Make an effort to be more intentional about thanking others and expressing your gratitude to others. Father God, you have been so, so generous to us. And as disciples of you, we try our best to imitate this and show gratitude toward others. It's not easy. It's not the natural disposition we have to thank others and to be so grateful. So God, change our hearts. Change us. To where we're grateful people. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The longer that I've been an adult, talked with more adults, it is very clear to me that the most grateful people are also the most generous people. Now, before you completely tune me out, and here he goes talking about money again, just hang in there just, just a second and hear me out on this. Because generosity is not just money. It's generous in a lot of different aspects of their lives. Now, I don't know any billionaires, and to my knowledge, I don't know any millionaires. Maybe I do, and they've just been very nonchalant about it, just I haven't mentioned it. I don't know, that'd be cool if I really know a millionaire. I just think that'd be a cool thing. Hey, I know a millionaire. I don't know. Maybe you do know, and that's a really cool thing. I don't know. But it has nothing to do about with money. Generosity is, it's a spirit of generosity. But it's very clear those who are generous and those who are not. Now, before we go too much into this as well, let me just, just clarify. There's one person here at the church that knows what you give financially. It's not me. It's not the senior minister, Mark. It's our financial secretary, the person who writes the year-end statements for you to get you know, your tax-deductible gift right off off your taxes. That's the only person who knows. I don't know a thing. But I do know who in our church is generous. They're generous with much more than money. They're generous with the resources. They're generous with their possessions. They're generous with their time. 
I know who in this church is generous. And that certainly money is an aspect of it, but it's not the key aspect of it. The key aspect of it is your heart. Where is your heart? When we talk about generosity, if your mind goes, oh, here we go, straight again to money. He's just going to ask for more money, money, money. You don't understand my heart behind generosity. Do you open up your home to others? If someone was to call you and say, hey, I need an hour of your time, can you meet me here? What's your first response to that? I'm too busy, what do they want? Or okay, I'll meet you then. What about with your resources? Do you keep a tight grip on your resources? I just bought this like brand new truck or this brand new forklift because we were moving pallets today. I don't know what it is you just bought that's brand new that you, do you hold it tightly? No one's gonna use this but me? Or do you realize that it's something that God's blessed you with and you'll let others use it if they have a need for it? Generosity is so much more than money. Now today we're going to look at that money aspect just a little bit because God talks about it in Scripture more than anything else. Jesus talks more about money than anything else when he was here. It's certainly close to the heart of who God is. Jesus talks about stewarding it wisely, about using it wisely. He talks about our heart behind it. So we have to talk about it to some degree. But it's all about the heart, it's not about the amount. In the Old Testament, Jesus asked for 10%, a tithe, that would be brought into the storehouse, into the place of God into the church if we were to bring that into the New Testament. But in the New Testament, there's no percentage attached to it. Because see, in the New Testament, it's not about a checkbox. Oh, I gave my 10% this week, I'm good, I'm not, being, not giving away another dime. Not giving it to a friend, not giving it to the church, not giving it to the nonprofit, to Red Cross, to anyone. It's not, it's not like that. It's a heart issue. And the 10% there is there as a, as a guide, as a standard in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, they were supposed to bring tithes and offerings. And the offering was above and beyond. It wasn't just 10%. It was, okay, now that you've brought a tithe, now you can bring more. But if you don't bring tithe, you can't bring an offering. Because it's above and beyond. And sometimes we just have this really negative view of it in the church. But Jesus changes all of that from a checkbox and what they're supposed to do in the Old Testament. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is there with his disciples at the temple, and they see what the religious leaders are giving. And they hear what they're giving, because they make a big show about it. See what I've given! Look at this, all these coins I'm throwing in here! And they'd hear them, hear them ching and rattle around as they threw them in the offering box. And it was a big spectacle. Look at what I'm giving. Now, people give, I think, for one of two reasons. One, they're kind of being selfish about it. Look at me. Look at what I can give. Look how much money I have or what I'm being generous about. Or still on that same line of, of selfishness of you know, quid pro quo, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. They expect something in return for what they give. And that was these religious leaders. 
I'm making a big scene about this. I'm looking good when I do this. I look at me and how much I'm giving. And it was all about themselves. But then, but then comes a widow. And the other kind of people who give and give generously understand how much they've been given. And they're thankful people. Because see, gratitude and generosity go hand in hand. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 42, and a poor widow came and she put two small copper coins, which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put more than all these who are contributing to the offering box. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty and has put everything she had, all she had to live on. See, it's not about the amount of money you give. It's about your heart. It's about how you are in your heart when you give. Do you give to be showy, to be flashy, to like other people look at you and see how good you are, to, to get something in return for your generosity? Or do you do it because you just want to be thankful? Because you're grateful? Because it's the right thing to do to help someone out? What's in your heart when you give? She gave all she had to live on. Now, when you're a kid and, and you get $10 a week as an allowance, it's easy to give a dollar, right? Dollar's kind of insignificant. But as you grow up, you get in the real world, you get a job. Say you make $50,000 a year. $5,000 is a tenth of that, man, that's, whew, that's big money, right? Now, if you're married and maybe it's doubled, $100,000 a year, $10,000 is, whoo, man, it's a lot of money, and it's a little harder to be generous and to give that when it's so much money, right? Or maybe you're married and together you're barely making $50,000. Or maybe you're single and you're making a lot less than that, and every penny counts even all the more because you just don't have enough. I moved here about two and a half years ago and I remember thinking, holy cow, how expensive it is to live in Hanover, right? Amen? <laughs> I came from middle of nowhere Kentucky. It wasn't that expensive to live middle of nowhere Kentucky. I grew up in Bristol, Virginia. My parents still live there. They told me just couple weeks ago, they paid, I think it was like $115,000 for their house. It's a decent house. Wouldn't buy anything here, would it? I mean, it doesn't even come close. But it's not about money. It's not about how much you make. It's not about how expensive things cost. It's not about the dollar sign. It's about your heart. Dave Ramsey's a financial guru. I'm sure you've heard his name around and and all of that, but he's talked about his, how, how unwise he was with money to begin with, and about how he tried starting to put in place some biblical principles, and then he created this financial plan to get back on your feet and all that, but what he emphasizes the whole time is generosity and giving. He even a tenth, a tithe, back to the church. He said, even when we filed for bankruptcy and we had nothing, every dime we got, we tithe. It was so core to what he believed scripture taught. 
and how important it is to the heart of God to be generous, to trust him in this. Malachi is one of the prophets of the Old Testament. And he says, God says through Malachi to the people of Israel, to the Jews people, to his people. He says, test me in this. In talking about money, he says, bring a tenth of everything you get into the storehouse of God and test me in this. And see if I just don't open up the storehouses of heaven and pour my blessings upon you. Now trust me, it's not going to be a dollar for dollar match. If you're generous with $50, God isn't going to bless you with $50. But he blesses you with so much more that just mon- there's no monetary value you can put on it. Test him in this. Now we jump over to the New Testament and there, there's no percentage. There's no tithe mentioned. There's no like... This is how much we expect because it's not about the dollar sign. It's about your heart. And where is your heart when it comes to generosity? Do you roll your eyes and think, oh, here they go again? Or is you something you're already doing? Are you already a generous person? Have you already given to others? Do you give of others of your time, of your resources? those who are in financial need. What is your heart when it comes to generosity? Because see, that's just a starting point. Your heart is just where it starts, and it grows from there. 10%, I personally believe, is a starting point. It should grow from there. Being generous with your resources, with your time, it's just a starting point. How far can you go? I tried to find a, um, the article online this week, and I just couldn't find it, but J.C. Penney, when he started the organization, started the business, said that giving is going to be a top priority. They were known as a very generous business. From what I understand, he gave up to 80% of the profits away at one point on a regular basis. 80%. Now I know it's a lot easier when you're making a lot of money, right? But it's not about the dollar sign. It's about your heart. Jesus gave up everything to come down to earth. He gave up literally more than we can imagine to come down to be a man, to walk with us. And then even after he did that, he gave even more He was a man like us, a spirit like ours. He got tired, he got hungry, he got weak, and yet he gave and gave and gave and gave of himself. He was with people constantly. Even when he tried to get away, we read about him trying to go up on the mountain to get away with God his Father in heaven, and people find him. They track him down, and he still gives. He still gives of himself, and he spends time with people because that's how much he loves us. It starts in the heart. Do you have a heart of generosity? Because that's what our Lord and Savior did. And that's the example we have set set before us to follow. Right before he was crucified, he was in the garden, he was praying. And he was praying so intensely, so stressed, I believe, about what was about to happen. 
about his death, that he started sweating blood. It's called hematotrosis, and I'm sure I just butchered the pronunciation of that. But I say that, to, like, it's, it's, an, it's an actual thing. It wasn't just because he was the son of God. He was so stressed and worried, anxious about what was about to happen. He prayed to God, his father, if there is any other way, please, please, go another way. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He knew that he still had to honor God, his father. And he knew that this was the only way to have a relationship with you and me. See, it's not about the dollar signs. He didn't give an amount. He didn't pay in gold. He paid with his life. He laid his life down because that's how generous he was toward us. Every week we focus on that. In just a few minutes, we're going we're gonna to focus on that again. Because it's such a crucial part of what we do here. He gave everything to have a relationship with you and me. Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you will do. You could be the best person. You could be the worst person. It doesn't matter because it's all about what he did on the cross for us. And from that, we are grateful. And from our gratitude, we are generous. Father God, you are beyond good to us. You have given literally everything. You have given your very self. So God, as we remember that in this moment, may our hearts just be filled with gratitude. May our hearts be filled with generosity. May our hearts focus on what you've given and what you've done for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.